We all know Deacon Lane's given to dramatic acts, so, you know. But the real question, is that a mortal or a venial sin dropping the book of the Gospels? In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. So you, up on our screens, you see Rembrandt's painting of the prodigal son, the return of the prodigal son. The prodigal son, the father, has his arms in welcome and blessing eternally. For the prodigal son, he's dirty, he's worn out, he's ragged. And then you've got the outsiders kind of looking in, including the older brother, who's the, the one on the far right. And I just want us to kind of focus and give us a visual today as we celebrate this most well-known parable in the scriptures of Luke chapter 15, from Luke chapter 15 of the prodigal son, probably maybe the greatest story ever told. And we got to remember what prodigal means. Prodigal means extravagant, wasteful, just this, this generous love and how God just continues to waste his love on us, to pour out on us, especially through the Eucharist, how he wants to fill us. And do we take that in? Do we take that in? That's the question. That's why we're here. And also like the reach of his love. I want you to think about the reach of his love in your life. The Pharisees and scribes were complaining because Jesus was partying. He was entering into relationship. He was having a feast with sex workers and betrayers of the, the, their own people, filthy betrayers working for the Roman occupation. So how radical that is, his reach. And we need to know the radicalness of that reach in our own lives, in our hearts. That's why the sacrament of confession is so important. Amen? Do it. Don't talk about it. Don't theorize. Get real and let God reach into the depths of your own hell to, to, to raise you up. Because if we don't know what hell is, we'll never know what heaven is. If we don't know what it's to be lost, we'll never know what it means to be found. And that's the power of this parable. This is really our relationship to God in some. If we look at the details of this picture of Rembrandt's painting, The Prodigal Son. So it was about midnight or one o'clock in the morning, I was in seminary formation, and I was uh, in the crypt chapel, I remember this, and I was working on the hardest lesson I ever had to learn in the seminary, and that lesson was my relationship to my earthly father, and how I was going to deal with my relationship with my earthly father. And I just remember God breaking through and many tears falling to the floor of the crypt chapel that night when I was in my second year of seminary. We'll get back to that story. So we see here, we see the, the son and he's kneeling before the father and asking for his mercy. But the thing is, why did the son come home? He didn't come home because he wanted to be forgiven. He was hungry. So we don't know the rest of the story. There's a tension in this, in this portrayal. But the son's sin is pretty readily identifiable because he used his father's money to misuse it towards partying and with his time and things and his friends and his own body. So that's pretty readily identifiable. We, we can see that and say, oh yeah, I can see that and maybe we've done that in our lives. It's like, oh, this is so obvious. This is a sin. But what is less obvious is the sin of the older brother. Because the sin of the older brother, the brother, he's trying to do good and he's being virtuous and he stayed at home. He's listened, he's obeyed, he's pleased his father and he's right there. And maybe you've experienced this in your own life or seen it in church before. People have gone to church forever, but they're resentful. 
Their heart is a million miles away from God the Father because they have never been like the son who's dropped down before the father and asked for his mercy, his consolation, his healing. Purportedly, we don't know, again, with the younger son. So this resentment is so, it's kind of the underbelly of virtue. This resentment could say, well, I've been here, I've done all these things just like the older son. I've done all these things. And yet you've never even given me a little bit in return. You've never thrown me even a little bit of a party. So we have this resentment that's, it can be in the far reaches of our hearts and our lives that we haven't let God's the Father's love wash away. I'll tell you this for sure. Joy and resentment cannot coexist. It's going to be one or the other. Joy and resentment, they cannot coexist. So as we look at this and we continue to see Rembrandt's painting, you've got these bystanders and they're from the outside looking in. They really don't know what's, what's going on in this relationship that the father's offering the younger son, whether he's taken it or not. So they're the outsiders looking in. But our goal is to become the insiders looking out. Let me just ask you, wherever you be, if you're at home or you're listening to this past this day or here present in the church, how would you describe your relationship here at St. Charles? Am I an outsider looking in and saying, oh, there's all this beautiful things going on, I see the joy and I see the community, or am I an insider looking out? Am I receiving this and am I becoming more and more a part of this community, left and right, in the ways that God wants to, the heavenly ways? <laughs> this is what we're gonna be having forever. Am I there? And we can be in this church and we can be going here all these years, myself included, and I can be a million miles away from the heart of the Father. When will I be like the Son, drop down in the center and let his eternal blessing and welcome heal me and pull me in to his heart? So, what I recommend, what I strongly recommend is make the center of your attention the Father. It's all about the Father. Make that your aim and goal. All our prayers in church and what Jesus is doing in church is saying to the Father. If you notice in the creed today when we pray the creed, notice the word Father. How many times the word God or Father is mentioned and to do that. And so... We have all these here, and we want to, we have all the characters, but notice that the light is coming from the Father. Even though he's not directly in the center of the picture, the light is coming from the Father, and all attention is going to the Father who holds us in embrace. It's important. It's important to become the prodigal son, or to know ourselves as the prodigal son, or the older brother. I would say myself, in my life looking at it, I was, I'm more of the older brother. Didn't do like glaring obvious sins, but this resentment, and that was deeply rooted in my life, but it was tied to virtue, because I was going to church. I mean, I went to church all by myself at a public college, and my parents weren't there to make me go, and I did that, so I was a good boy. My heart was a million miles away from the Father. Had no idea how good and extravagant 
and wasteful his love is for me. I had no idea that he could reach into the hell that was my life and he could bring me heaven. I had no idea that he could change my heart and life didn't have to be so sad and depressing and meaningless and empty that he could be there for me. There can be a tendency in the church, I think, for us to remain as children and not grow up. Just, I gotta receive. I gotta receive from God. This is what God has to do for me and I just, I just need more of his love. There's nothing wrong with that. But the title of this homily is Become the Father. Whether you're a man or a woman, a boy or a girl, we're called to become the Father. We're called to step up and become like the Father, who that Father is for us as we experience his life, but then that's what we become. So back to the seminary. It's like 12 or 1 o'clock in the morning. And a great pain in my life was my relationship with my earthly father. I'm number eight. You get lost in the shuffle. And I'm pretty sensitive, as you know, and it's pretty painful when the most important human being in your life, you want to be there at your games, and he's not there. And I'm like, don't you understand how important you are to me? Don't you get this? Don't you understand the pain this inflicts on me and how lost I feel and how alone I feel because I don't have dad. I don't have my father. And I'll tell you, I died many deaths, cried many tears to be able to have that kind of honest prayer in the chapel that night. And how I lived that out is I was angry at my father because you let me down and don't you get this? You're not doing your job, you're not at your station, you're not caring for me. Why are you here? Why are you even, why, why would I even call you that? Dad. So it was that kind of prayer. I was there. And a lot of the anger, anger is a secondary emotion. The primary emotion is a stinging pain. That I feel lost, where's my father? Don't you know what it means to be a good father? And I learned many lessons through this, in, in the midst of it. I learned that my dad was doing the best he could with what he had, so have mercy. But that night, God came and changed my heart. I, who was angry towards him, who had not, did not talk to him for about a couple years, God changed my heart, and he allowed full healing and forgiveness for my dad. And the Holy Spirit said, I want you to go to your dad, and I want you to be right with him. So I went to my dad, and this is how the conversation kind of went. I said, Dad, I said, you got anything on me? Have I hurt you in any way, shape, or form? No, John. His hands just came out to me like the father's hands to the prodigal son. I said, no, I'm fine. And I said, Dad, I want you to know I'm good with you. 
Because God showed me in my mind, in my heart of hearts, that dad felt like a bad dad and he felt like a bad father and he didn't need any more bad. He needed the compassion of God the Father. I said, I'm good with you, Dad, and I'm going to be the best friend and best son I can be to you the rest of my life. And we had 35 years together as best friends until I held his hand when he died. God changed my heart. I didn't need to make my dad ask for forgiveness. And you know what he did? The son, because of his grace, and my very, 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 very little yes, the son became the father to his father. I became the father to my father. Offering forgiveness without question, without condition, without hesitation, not wanting anything in return, but I am here for you, as the father is here for you. And it made all the difference. This is the heart of the work of the church, brothers and sisters, to be right with God our Father. And to be right with our fathers on earth. To have that grace. Make the center of your attention on the Father and realize that all life and all light comes from him, and all attention goes back to him. And become the father, and be in your person and being the feast of forgiveness that you can offer to others without question, condition, hesitation, and wanting nothing in return. Brothers and sisters, God's calling us to grow, to grow up in him, whatever age you are, this will always be the call. Become the father. Become the father.